not everyone gets to live out their dreams and their passions. Some people do. And it might be because of choices they make or opportunities that are presented to them or maybe God just likes them better than somebody else. But some folks are really blessed to enjoy things that have been part of their life for a long, long time. And along the way, they also start making a difference for others. And so it's just a treat for me today to have on Mike's Seminary and Friends as a fellow I know fairly well, you know, some things about his sports passions, his background, and as I've followed him over the past five years or so, he's getting to pursue big time stuff that a lot of people would, you know, give their IT for. So it's just a great pleasure for me to welcome to Mike's Seminary and Friends, Joe Hallock. Joe, it's great to see you. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you doing, Mike? I'm great. Thanks for asking and thanks for being willing to join me. I know you're awfully busy. You're just about ready to, you know, go into the next phase of the season of which you're part of. We'll talk about there that in a little bit. But so, Joe, I, I, I really have wanted you on for some time because, first of all, you're just a great guy. But you, you played competitive sports baseball really well. I don't know about the others. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were a catcher, a pitcher, and infielder for Concordia College. Um, had a nice career in sports. And then you decided you wanted to uh, pursue physical therapy. So I first want to talk a little bit about your pursuit of sports as a young kid and then as an adult because you went on to play baseball in college mm -hmm. as I just mentioned and then you coached uh, college when, when did you know as a kid that you're going to be a baseball player it could be part of your life and I mean that you really have lived it out when did you know as a kid that that was the deal for you I guess I couldn't really put like a time of it like if I knew or that I guess I just always found myself being around baseball. And I think more so it's because of the people I've met through baseball. I look at all my closest friends. I look at the people that I still have conversations with daily, and I met them through baseball. And so I know at a younger age, that's kind of how it was too. And so I think along the way, I was fortunate to play with some really good teammates, have some really good coaches. And it's just kept me coming back for more. And so every kind of turn in life, I'm like, well, a lot of good people seem to be in this business. It seems like a good place to be. So, yeah, I can't really say I. there was like a time, but I just keep meeting good people and keep wanting to be around them. Yeah. You were at one time the recipient of the Roger Maris Award. And now enough time has gone by where some folks today might not be as aware of the incredible accomplishments of Roger Maris. You know, so he's originally a Minnesota guy, ended up going to the same school you went to, your, your high school, your alma mater, played for the Yankees and finished his career somewhere else. First guy to hit 61 home runs, a big deal. I mean, it was a big, big deal. And in this part of the country, the Fargo-Moorhead area, North Dakota, Minnesota, Roger Maris is still a big deal. What did it mean for you when you were the recipient at your alma mater, his alma mater, of the Roger Maris Award? Well, at the time, I was, I was pretty shocked because Chandley, we were having an 
an award ceremony they, would, they always do at the end of the year. And I wasn't told that I was nominated. I figured that just went to like a senior or someone who did something really great. And so when they announced my name, I kind of looked around like, what the heck is going on? Like, I, I kind of froze up. I just, all right, sounds good. Made sure my shirt was tucked in. Normally it wasn't at Shanley to be completely. I was like, oh boy, I got to walk on stage now. Um, yeah, I went up there, accepted it, and uh, very honored. But yeah, very caught off guard, but also very proud. That's still something I know my parents have at the house. And um, no, I, I don't think at 14, I really like grasped how cool it was. And now looking back, it's something very proud of and something I look forward to kind of sharing with my son for all the reasons, more so what Roger Maris did than anything I did. It's more so kind of a good conversation segue to, hey, this guy's from where we're from, went to some places we went to and did some pretty cool things. So I think yeah, as I've got older, I've kind of gained some perspective on it. But yeah, at the time it was, uh, I think it went over my head a little bit <laughs> in terms of how kind of cool it was. You know, in Fargo, especially in the, you know, parochial school program, which I was, I'm a product of, right? Uh, all 12 years of parochial school. And uh, <laughs> we moved to Fargo from Milwaukee. And dad was from Pittsburgh. So he was a, you know, Pittsburgh Pirates fan. The very first professional baseball game I ever saw was Milwaukee. Watched Hank Aaron play baseball. Come to North Dakota, where my, my where my grandpa, I told this story once before. I think was a big Ham's beer guy. And Ham's beer back in the day, <laughs> when your parents were probably well, I'm older than them. I think when your, your dad, your dad, mom, and really youngsters, Ham's beer was the sponsor of the Twins. So. I immediately, because my grandpa, like the twins, became a twins fan. Well, I can't begin to tell you how that was just not a very cool thing. When you're at Holy Spirit and then Shanley, Fargo, Shanley, Roger Maris country, and I'm a twins fan. That that just that was just like a, a mortal sin. I'm just going straight to hell for that. I mean, you kind of <laughs> paid for it. So, <laughs> so congratulations on that, on that award. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. How, how did you balance, um, you know, your your study responsibilities, school workload, and and baseball? Because sports can take up a lot of time. How did you balance that when you were in in college? Well, I look back to, I essentially went to three kind of colleges throughout the way, and junior college right away from Shanley went to a junior college in Iowa, where school wasn't a lot. I almost got like a false sense of what college was. Um, Shanley definitely prepared me for kind of college at that level. And then when I got to Concordia and decided, all right, I'm going to go into pre-PT, I'm going to do that. Um, you definitely had to mature kind of quickly because the school was a little more difficult. The teachers were definitely demanding in a good way. Um, but yeah, balance was difficult at times because you'd have a game, you'd have finals and you'd have a lot, some people who were only, they were setting the curves on tests and all they did was go to school. And so they had a little more time to allocate into studies. And so it was yeah, definitely a learning curve of figuring out, all right, maybe I need to stay in this Friday or if I'm going to go out, I better be willing to wake up early and get some stuff in. And same thing with baseball. You got to use time on the bus and the hotel, et cetera. You, you get creative. Um, you lose a little sleep, but I don't know. I guess I kind of figure out you make time for what you care for. And 
the same thing in PT school where I really wanted to coach. I really wanted to be around baseball, talking to people who worked in baseball. I'm like, how would I come out of PT school? Can I be as prepared as possible? They're like, well, pass your classes, but find ways to be around the game. So I'm like, all right, Bismarck State and you, Mary, we're both kind of looking for some help. And um, again, you just kind of, you, you find time. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, it's easy to say you don't have enough time, but if you really want to do something, you, you find a way to make it all work. Sure. Uh, so it's kind of what I figured out. You helped tee up the other question. Uh, one, another question I wanted to ask you when you mentioned pre-PT. Well, mm -hmm. Where along the, you know, the course of your education, or maybe even happened before, did you know that physical therapy was an area that you wanted to focus on? Was it when you were in Iowa or when did that happen? So originally I went to school. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to go into business. My dad's in business. That seems like a logical answer. And I went to school in Iowa and quickly realized that I did not like business. <laughs> Quite a bit. Uh, I don't think that would have been my thing. Uh, but I've had some injuries throughout the way, some elbow stuff, shoulder, wrist, and I met some really good PTs. Some good people seem to really enjoy what they do. Financially speaking, like they lived a comfortable lifestyle, supported their families. And I'm like, all right, this seems like a pretty just laid back job. You can work with athletes. You can support your family. It seems like something I would really enjoy. And then the more I learned about PT and how you can kind of pursue the baseball avenue, uh, that's when I was got more motivated. And then the school stuff becomes easier because um, that was something that, if you don't have much interest in it, school stinks. But when it's all right, you kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel of if I do this, it can help get me to this. Um, yeah, the more I learned about PTs and baseball, it's just, yeah, it's a lifestyle that I thought I'd really enjoy. And now being in the midst of it, um, I'm really happy I pursued it. That's for sure. When you mentioned being able to pursue and balance baseball and PT, did and because of maybe some injuries you had playing baseball, every athlete experiences that, of course. Was that kind of the deal sealer for you that I, I, not only can I pursue physical therapy and I met some really cool people, but I can also still be part of baseball. That that combination kind of sealed the deal for you? Yeah, 100%. That's, I don't think I could really do this in any other setting. I could work with other sports, especially working at UND. I got to work with hockey and football. Awesome. But I don't know if I, I joke around that I'm like in other settings, like someone's got to go work. There, but I don't, I don't know if it would necessarily be for me. The fact that I can still be around athletics, be in a team environment. And kind of what I touched on earlier, all my closest friends I've met through sports and the people I continue to meet are through kind of sports. It, it fits me very well. It kind of, it definitely, it keeps me engaged. It makes me wake up and I feel like I don't go to work every day. Sometimes I joke around, I'm like I haven't worked in a couple of years. Um, <laughs> just cause it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, very, very fortunate. I kind of found this path and am going along it. Well, eventually you get to uh, Columbus, Ohio. And thanks for sending me the information that you did. I, I did some research and I, I have to read this because I've come to learn that this program at Ohio State University is pretty darn significant. In fact, it says it's a training program for physical therapists looking to specialize in treating baseball and softball players. 
and that has a rare academic experience because of the uh, connection with sporting teams, the Columbus Clippers and the Cleveland Guardians. And as I, as I did some research, I realized, man, this is really a significant program, number one. Number two, significant in the sport of baseball and softball, which, of course, was your, was your passion. How did you find out about the program? And then how did you qualify to be a fellow, if I'm saying that correctly, yep. at Ohio State University? So I would kind of known about it, but to be honest, it wasn't, it was sort of something like, man, I'd really love to do it, but I don't know if I would qualify or kind of meet the expectations of it, et cetera. When I was at UND, I got an opportunity during COVID to go work with the Cleveland Guardians. So one of their PTs, one of the PTs with the Guardians, Dan Hemrick, he had done PT school from UND, did a residency in Minneapolis, and he did the fellowship at Ohio State. When I was at UND, I reached out to him like, hey, I would love to pick your brain on just baseball. How can I get into baseball? Because he was already into it. So in, during COVID, they couldn't have any students. I was a resident, so I had my license. So I wasn't technically a student, and they needed help during spring training. And fortunately, UND let me go down for spring training in 2020, help out with Cleveland. Cleveland being associated with the fellowship, I learned a lot about it. Um, and I also, I definitely got my kind of foot in the door with a lot of that stuff where I got to meet Dan, who was a fellow, Jeremy Harris, who's the med or the minor league medical director for the Cleveland. He was a previous fellow there. So I got to meet two of them. I got to meet the fellowship director. And that's when I was like, okay, I, I really want to pursue this. Now I've met some people and that helped me out a lot because yeah, it's, it's definitely a more competitive fellowship with a pretty good history of where the fellows have gone. The medical director here for Toronto was a former fellow, the former fellowship directors, the assistant medical director. Um, if you kind of look around baseball, a lot of people have come from Ohio state. And so to be able to be a part of that, I'm very honored to be a part of that and hopefully can try to continue some of the success from it. But that's sort of where I heard about it, got my foot in the door and those guys kind of helped me out um, getting to know them and really getting me to where I am today. I looked uh, online at the uh, kind of the schedule, if you will, or, or the path forward for that 12-month program. And it's pretty darn intense. Oh, and by the way, I should also say that physical therapy, upper extremity, athlete fellow. So Mouthful. <laughs> it, it, it is. And it dawned on me that if someone has that background and that training, and they're in baseball and it's upper extremity. That's a pretty important person because <laughs> between your wrist, your arm, your shoulder, I mean, all of that, your hands, that, uh, that's pretty important to baseball. And, and as I was reading about the program, yes, there are other likes, but it seems to be one of the most significant in the entire country when it comes to that upper extremity physical therapy program that you were part of. Is that is that a fairly accurate statement? I'd say it's pretty fair. It's, I think it's the second longest with ATI, uh, but in terms of success rate and putting guys in baseball, like it says, Upper Extremity Athlete Fellowship, it used to be called a baseball fellowship, but Physical Therapy Society changed the name of that. Um, it's pretty darn successful in terms of doing what it says it's going to do. It's going to, I mean, there's a guy with the Yankees, they got the Braves, they're, they're kind of all over and they've all done pretty well and 
kind of work their way up. So, yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair assessment without kind of pumping their tires too much. Yeah. So you got your doctorate at the University of Mary in physical therapy, and then you went on and uh, did your sports residency at UND, two schools that have wonderful programs in PT, uh, and then off to Ohio. When did the opportunity, because you're with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays organization, I'll let you talk about that. When did that opportunity present itself and um, how long have you been associated with the Toronto Blue Jays program? Yeah, so to go back, so the, the medical director for the Blue Jays and the assistant medical director, both are from Ohio State. Uh, the assistant medical director, was the director of the fellowship when I first got there and he left a few months in to come to the Blue Jays. So I had known them and had a relationship with them. Last July, the one texted me out of the blue said, Hey, how do you enjoy working with the Clippers being in triple um, This is something you enjoy doing. I said, hey, I love it. You get to come to the field every day. You go to games. It's, it's a great gig. And then he called me and brought up that they are looking into having a position that would mirror that in some ways uh, with the Blue Jays here in Buffalo. And so in July, those conversations kind of started, but they had to submit the job, get it approved, and kind of go through the, that process. So we continued that conversation as I looked into other jobs. Like I had applied and interviewed for other jobs, but knew that the people in this organization are they're really good people. They value family. They value their employees. And just the level, being able to work at AAA, it's a, it's a higher level. So that's exciting as someone who's relatively newer to kind of get that opportunity right away. I knew it wasn't something you take lightly. So it was around kind of August, September. They're like, yep, we're approved for the job. Started the interview process and then eventually accepted the job. I officially started on January 1st. And so I've been with the Blue Jays now for three full months effectively. So not too long in the grand scheme of things, even though starting spring training right away, you feel like you get a full year's worth with uh with some of those hours, but yeah, so I've been with the Blue Jays, yeah, since January 1st, and I was at Ohio State until I kind of transitioned over. And you spent part of the time in 2023 in Florida. Yeah, so January I went to Florida, and that's where we'll live, that's where I moved my family down to. We'll live in Florida, I mean, that's where we got a home, so during the season, I came up to Buffalo on Monday, and we'll be in Buffalo from yeah, Monday until whenever the season's done. So end of September is when the AAA season's done. And then depending where, hopefully the big league team makes the playoffs, goes to the World Series, the AAA staff assists in some form or function because they have kind of an alternate site, whether that's in Buffalo, Toronto, Florida. We'll kind of see logistics there. But yeah, I'll be up in Buffalo from, yeah, when the season starts till the end of September. And depending on how the big league team does, whenever their season's done, live in Florida in the off season, And then we have a complex that's where the Toronto Blue Jays complex is uh, stationed in Florida. I'll work there with more post-surgical long-term rehab cases. We have a few other PTs there and I'll assist with them in the off season and have a caseload. So then that October, November, December, January, February, still in Florida, February spring training gets going. So still down there and then break camp again and just keep it going. You're young enough to be able to deal with this easier than some seasoned folks, like maybe the guy you're looking at right now. 
but it had to not it was it couldn't have been easy going from Florida on the Gulf in the winter up to Buffalo. I mean, that'd be almost like going back to Fargo in terms of, oh, I think I prefer the weather in Florida, right? Yeah. I mean, it was 90 degrees the day we left. We got <laughs> up here and today it was 40 with wind chill, probably like 30 something. And you were outside for a couple hours. So it's, uh, I don't know. I just, it's hard for me to complain considering like I get to co- come here and hang out. And it's like, Oh, where'd you go to work? Today? Well, I was on a baseball field all day. I mean, yeah, it's cold, but yeah, there's a lot worse places you could be. Um, yeah. So I, I enjoy it. The Northeast though is it's tough. I mean, don't get me wrong. People in the Midwest, we like to almost say, ah, you should see our weather, but it's windy up here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's stiff. So yeah, the Northeast is no joke, but yeah, it wasn't too bad. I think if, yeah, again, if I wasn't doing this, if I was just moving back and forth, I think my attitude would be a little different. But this makes it – it's not too bad. Oh, yeah, Dad used to rib us a little bit in terms of winters because he was, you know, from Greensburg around Pittsburgh area, and he'd talk about how, how much more challenging winters were and weather and really humid winters. He, he'd talk about how how much more challenging the weather was over in that part of the country. I, I, I didn't ask this question, but you answered part of it. What, what really triggered your profound interest in physical therapy? What was it exactly that said to Joe, this is, this is you know, after the thinking I might go into business, but I don't want yeah. to, what was really the trigger that physical therapy was gonna be it? So I was looking into medical professions because it interests me, like anatomy interests me, the body interests me, how does it work? How can you make it perform? How can you make it, like all those things were just interesting. And so I'd worked with PTs and again, just coming back to the people I'd work with. I'm like, pretty good dudes who live pretty good lives. I mean, that's, that seems like something I could really do. There was a brief second where I'm like, Oh, I'd really love to be a surgeon. And I took, okay. I'm like, that's out. That, that's not going to happen. So the PT thing, I'm like, all right, we'll, uh, we'll stick with this. Uh, so that's kind of where, that's sort of where the interest came from. It, and it's, I'm glad I pursued it because, yeah, again, I don't know. I don't know how the business stuff would have gone. If it would have gone so hot, but this has worked out pretty good. The, the athletes that you work with as part of the Toronto Blue Jays organ, organization, a lot of them, like you're not the old guy on, on the staff. A lot of them are about your age, maybe some a little younger, some older. So you're probably like right in the middle they must be able to connect with you pretty well because of your athletic background, your education, and just your love of baseball. Share with me a little bit about how that connectivity works with the athletes that, that you work with. So yeah, my age can be a benefit. And also, like you said, I'm younger. There are guys that have been in this game since in the big league since 2012, like I was in high school. And all of a sudden they got some 28 year old guy who's telling them how to go about their business when they've been doing it for 12 years. So it can definitely be challenging. I think it's something just to be mindful of It definitely treat the individual. I think that's the biggest thing that whether you're working in sports or any, any setting is just trying to be mindful of who you're working with and trying to be as present with them as possible. Cause whether 
whether you're giving them the best advice or not, if they, if you're present and they can tell you're listening and that you care and that you're going to try to provide the best care for them, I think that's the biggest thing. And sure, I can connect with some of the guys who are more my age on similar like life issues or whether it's music or culture and that stuff. And there are some guys, especially in baseball, who don't speak really any English. They might be from the Dominican, Venezuela, Puerto Rico. I have nothing in common with them besides that we love baseball and I'm supposed to take care of them. So there it's just, again, you kind of try to find ways just to connect with people. I think that's what it comes down to. And the age thing, it's some guys look at it more than others. Some guys don't really care. Um, that's where it's a long season. And hopefully by the end of the season, it doesn't really matter. They just realize that I'm here for them every day, trying to keep them on the field, keep their careers going. I think that's the, I think that's the biggest piece mm. that I've taken away from others who have been successful in this game for a long time. And then even watching people who maybe aren't as successful. It's like, all right, well, what, what can I learn from that too? It's maybe, maybe they got away from that a little bit. So trying to keep myself sort of there, I think is a, a good spot to be. You know, things change as we learn more from life experiences and research and so on and so forth. I can remember a time, Joe, where if I was watching a professional baseball game, and it's really not that long ago, or a professional football game, I'd see players and coaches and managers smoking. You'd see them smoking on the sidelines you're smoking in the dugout and of course there were the legends that were pretty hard on their body that they were the guys that and here i'm just talking about guys it's not exclusively yeah. guys but guys that um didn't really pay too much attention on how to take care of their bodies um, and, and then you add to that this kind of natural tendency for a lot of guys and i'm one of them where we kind of ignore our body sometimes saying, God, I wonder if I have a problem there. Just, you know, I'll get over it. I'll work it out. It'll go away. So based on your experience and also understanding that lots of things to change, no, nobody smokes any, well, they never smoke in the dugouts anymore on the sidelines, because they're not allowed to, but um, it is one of the greatest challenges for you and your colleagues still part of that male mindset where we kind of ignore things until it's almost too late. Is that still kind of present in competitive guys? Yeah. I, that's so present in me. I know. Cause I still work out, run around and it's like, ah, that kind of hurts, whatever. We're, our, we're the worst patients. Like medical people are the worst patients because we'll, we'll give advice and we give advice to ourselves. Like, yeah, we're fine. So that's, it's definitely still present. And I think that's across all sports. These guys want to stay in the field. It's what they're getting paid to do, especially at this level. You're so close to the big leagues. You're a phone call away from changing your life, changing your life financially for your family, for generations. Like The last thing you want to be is unavailable because of a little injury. On the flip side of it, you get some guys who feel everything. So it's every little thing, and it's hard. You got to kind of tease out your medical staff. Like, All right, is, this, is this an issue or is this? So, yeah, I'd say it kind of goes both ways in terms of the guys where they they could have a broken nose and tell you they're fine. And they could be steering. It's like, I see it. And other guys, you can, I mean, they might have a hangnail. It's like, all right, we got to push them onto the field. So <laughs> I think it's kind of kind of working with the medical staff, the people kind of figuring out who they are and what's going to work best for them. 
So I think it it kind of it kind of goes both ways in that in that aspect. So there there still are, and it's a more of a guy thing. There still are guys yeah. that even though this is our profession, and I might get that call. I might get that call, you know, in two weeks after the season starts. I might get that call and get called up to Toronto. There are still some guys that will kind of ignore the communication from their body um, that could prevent them from, if they get the call, fulfilling it, or maybe even getting the call. My point is, is that ignoring it is not a very good idea anymore, especially if this is going to be your career. Correct. And that's where it's sometimes it's a young man's game, because think about when you're 23, 24, 25, for the most part, whatever you do the night before, like by the time game time comes around seven o'clock, you're like, I'm ready to rock. Yeah. Do that over the course of 162 games, things start to add up a little bit. It's usually the older guys that become a bit more in tune. And that's also kind of where skills diminish. So it's, it's as you get older, you get wiser when you're young. And so it's, it's interesting to see guys at different parts of their career. Like we have a guy who's 21 here. And then we're going to have a guy as old as like 34, 35. It's like 14 years of difference and just their mindsets towards just everything. It, it's cool to sit back and see and to see how the coaching staff works them. Cause we have some coaches that have been around baseball 40 plus years. So they've seen everything and then some, um, but yeah, that mentality is definitely still present, whether it's because they think they're tough, whether they just have no idea, it's just oblivious to it. Um, yeah, it, it happens. It comes up and, you just kind of hope that you can catch anything before it's too serious. Are, are most players today and, and use yourself as kind of the benchmark, even though you're still really a young guy and you were playing baseball, not that many years ago, five, really somewhere in that area. Um, are, are most players today taking the time and putting in the work to take better care of themselves, really monitoring what they're eating, uh, how they're sleeping, how they're rehabbing, um, versus kind of ignoring some of that stuff. Are most guys kind of connected to that's, you know, in terms of the pathway to my future, these are some things I really should be paying attention to? Yeah, and the Blue Jays, I mean, they really champion that all around in terms of we've got strength coaches keeping track of their lifts. We do weekly monitoring with various metrics just to make sure that your strength isn't falling off. Your explosiveness isn't falling off your speed. Pitching coaches are tracking pitchers all the time with their workload. How many throws are they making? What intensity hitting coaches are tracking swings, high speed running here on the health side of it. We're tracking who comes in for what we're looking at weight. We're looking, there's a lot of things that are looked at globally from the whole team to aid the player in saying, all right, when you are at A, B, and C, you perform your best. So let's do our best to keep you there. And it's a two-way street. Like the players need to buy into it. But in terms of resources, there's no lack of resources. And the players are pretty darn good at it, especially here with the Blue Jays. They do a good job of vetting guys out that if you're not going to take care of yourself, you're just not a good investment. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, like if you're somebody who's not going to buy in, especially when they've got a robust medical staff, they've got a strength staff that's going to be here for you. 
they bring in sleep doctors, they bring in all these resources. Um, if you're someone's like, ah, I'm good, but yet health is lacking, strength is like all that stuff, um, you're going to find yourself probably out of a job pretty quick. But again, they do a really good job of bringing in good people who buy in to themselves. Because I mean, if you're not, a, it doesn't matter how talented you are, if you can't stay on the field, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, both on the hiring side and building a support system, the Blue Jays do a phenomenal job. And then same thing on the player side, bringing in the actual guys who go on the field. They do a good job of finding guys that take care of themselves, buy in, and will utilize kind of the tools around them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it because it really is it, – it's, it, it's not just a business. It's really, you know, part family, part partnership, and – we're making a significant investment in you and your career and potential future. You probably should do the same thing. I mean, and so all of a sudden the, the match of the investment, not just the monetary, it is equal. You probably have a better shot at fulfilling your dream. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time you played baseball? So, I've never like, I just really stopped. I've played town ball for the Moorhead Brewers since I was done. And yeah, I've like last summer, I got time off. I went back numerous, flew back to North Dakota, played, played the state tournament, flew to Minneapolis. This summer, like we get four days off in season. I took my four days around where they have games. So, I mean, I guess I've, hopefully I don't spend the summer, or at least don't not play for a very long time. So still very active with it. And I'll play catch with guys. And like today I was out there running around during batting practice, catching pop flies in the outfield just for fun. So, and then with my son, he's two. So I got to make sure that as he gets older, I can keep up a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I intend to be playing in some form or fashion for a very, very long time, probably long beyond when my body wants me to. Were, were you primarily a catcher? Was that where you spent the most time in terms of the playing position? Yeah, I caught pretty much throughout high school, college. I caught and pitched. And then since then now, we had, with the Moore Brewers, we had some good catchers caught at NDSU with the Red Hawks. So I just went to the outfield and ran around out there. It's kind of fun. It's kind of a good time. Well, I, that prompts me to ask you this question, the same question I'd ask my two brothers, if they were on right now, they we all played hockey. They were goalies. So, and it's kind of a similar position. So you're sitting kind of on your haunches behind a plate where some guys can wing that baby almost 100 miles an hour. Some of the pros more. Yeah. Same thing in hockey. If you're the goalie and then those pucks coming at you at 100 plus miles an hour, what the hell are you thinking? Why? Why do you want to be a catcher instead of some other physician? <laughs> I mean, you get you get to wear the gear. That's kind of cool. I will say that. That's not bad. But you're involved in the game. Yeah. You're, you get to work with the pitchers. There's an element of just fun of, like, calling a game yeah. and interacting back there. And, yeah, just catching the ball. I don't know. I mean, why do you want to catch it? I don't know. Probably because it's coming at your face at that point. You're like, if I don't catch it, this could be bad. Um, I don't know, it's just It's a good time, especially yeah. as you – get to catch like better pitchers and you're thinking about what you're going to call like versus this hitter versus that hitter. How can this pitch play off this pitch? Or how can we set up this guy and this at bat for later? If we get to a 
situation, like that kind of game in your head, it, it's fun to play. It's, it's hey. it, it keeps you in the game. Whereas sometimes in baseball, hey, I love baseball as much as the next guy, but standing in the field, if you're not getting the ball, can get boring. I will say that if you're standing in the outfield and it's eighth inning, you haven't had a single ball, and it's cold. Sheesh, like that. <laughs> that things things can get long pretty quick. Behind yeah. the plate, there's no lack of activity. Yeah, behind the plate, you can't afford to do any daydreaming. You you and you can probably get away with that occasionally in the outfield, but you can't behind the plate, right? Yeah. And it's pretty influential position because of the relationship between you and the pitcher and calling the pitch based on your experience, based on your knowledge of that particular, you know, person in the batter's box. That's a pretty important uh, position at the end of the day, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I would argue, yeah, one of the more important. After the pitcher, it's probably the most important position. So this upper extremity fellowship that you did at, at Ohio, is it safe to say that in baseball physical therapy that that particular skill set may be the most important of all. I'm, I'm not saying that lower extremity injuries aren't a challenge in any sport, including baseball, but it just seems that the upper extremity challenges that a player might have they're going to need you more often than some others. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, I think the, the nature of the sport, with just how violent the throwing motion is, oh, there's a lot of force for the shoulder and the elbow. So that's where just a lot of the injuries are going to present with themselves. The same thing with talking about batters getting hit in the hand and think about sliding, you're reaching out with your hand. There's just a lot of demand on the upper body and a lot of weird things that can happen. But as you said, injuries happen lower body everywhere but yeah definitely a large portion of portion of it just due to the nature of the game is going to be in that upper extremity and so that's kind of by design of the sport and that's sort of why the fellowship presented itself it's we see an avenue where we could specialize and do a lot of good and that's uh sort of how that worked out so you're you're with the the triple a team for the toronto uh blue jays and there are a number of players any time during the course of the year that, that could get a call um, to come up to the, the, the big game. And you're not, you haven't been there long enough probably to, to experience that. But as the therapist that is working um, with the professional athletes, to ensure that they have the best experience possible. You're really invested in them and the potential that they could get the call to go up, right? I mean, that, that's a, you're really invested in them. Yeah. And that's, so last year with Columbus and with so Cleveland's AAA, I think it was, I think they had 13 guys make their MLB debut. So we had 13 guys that went up from AAA to the major leagues. That had never been there, had never been there before. Wow. And so to see that was awesome. And there was one instance where I was up with the major league team just for a day, just to kind of be up there, experience it in a double header. And so I got to be up there. And that morning, one of our guys got called up. And so seeing a guy that I'd been with for most season AAA, just like he walked in and it was it was a pretty cool moment where 
I was really the only person he knew in there because he had met some of the other stuff, but not really, and just got to give him a hug. And he was just to be like a small part of that. It was, it's pretty cool because you get to be like a small little just piece of these guys, just story of them kind of getting to where they want to be. And then that, it also kind of reinforms, reinforces the importance of this job and trying to keep these guys healthy and trying to keep, just stay on top of everything they need to do daily so they can get there. And so when they do get there, hopefully they can perform pretty well and help the team and we can win because that helps everybody. So it's definitely a, a pretty cool aspect. Of yeah. it. It's one of the cooler things when you get to see a guy go up for the first time or go up at all because it's always exciting. I mean, not that no one likes – no one doesn't like AAA, but no one really wants to be here 100%. You're trying to sure. get to the next stage because you're so close. With regards to the program at, at Ohio State, are, are you aware of some graduates of that program that are in Major League Baseball at, at, at you know, with the, the major team, you know, the, the Toronto Blue Jays or the Minnesota Twins or whatever the team might be, the, the head of physical therapy for the entire team, if that's the right way to say it. Are some of those that you are aware of, have they come through the same program that you were part of? Yeah, so our, our medical director for the Blue Jays did the fellowship seven years before I did, Andrew Pipkin. So he's the medical director of everybody. Um, our assistant medical director here was the head of the fellowship, and he's a PT with Cleveland, um, their assistant medical director. He went through the fellowship. Their rehab coordinator went through the fellowship. The, so, yeah, their rehab coordinator for Colorado College, he went through the fellowship, and he oversees not just baseball, but rehab coordinator for all their athletics. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty good track record in terms of people – kind of working their way up to some pretty darn neat jobs um, yeah. that are high up and they oversee, again, a whole medical staff. That's doctors, PTs, ATs, Kairos. That's kind of everybody falls under their SNC, under their jurisdiction. Um, so it's cool to see that and something you kind of aspire for, but you realize also that there's, there's a lot of steps between where you're at now and where they've kind of got to. Well, it's great. I mean, you can see you, you can see that there's a path forward, which is uh, exciting. It's 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 a goal if that's something you want to pursue, right? So, when you were at Ohio State, did you work at all with the football team or any of the, the sporting teams at Ohio State? So, I didn't work directly with any of the teams, but I worked with some of the athletes who had upper extremity extremity injuries, and that'd be from all teams. Okay. Now the fellow works more with baseball. That was something they got started during COVID. COVID pulled it away. I did a very minimal – I did a little bit with it when I was at Ohio State. Now the fellow is with Ohio State baseball a lot more, which is a great relationship, and hopefully that grows going forward. Um, I didn't work with any of the teams directly, but they refer people over to where they had a clinic on campus that was right across the street from their athletic facilities. So super convenient. That's where all the team docs were. That's where all the surgeries were. PT was housed in there. It's a great setup uh, for it. But yeah, so I got athletes from all of Ohio State Athletics, but to say I worked with the team directly, uh, no. Does the program itself, like the head of the program um, that you went through, do they have more of a direct working relationship with Ohio State Athletics? And the reason I ask is that 
You know, there aren't very many schools with a bigger tradition than Ohio State and what they've accomplished the past 100 plus years, right? So that's why I'm curious. Yeah, so Ohio State has a, so they have, the football team has a PT. The rest of the sports just refer over. They don't have a PT who's directly for any sports team or necessarily like sports PT. Um, just they're kind of their prerogative, how they go about business. A lot of other schools do. Like at UND, they have two PTs for athletics um, who are housed right within athletics. They only treat athletes. They work one-on-one with all the teams. It works out great. Um, other colleges, very similar setups. Ohio State, a little more separated and just kind of the nature of it. I think that's a, a political way to say it. <laughs> a little yeah. more. Uh, that's kind of how they go about their business. But yeah. Um, but no, it was good to get those referrals over because our surgeons, that's who I would work with more as the team doctors and the team surgeons. And so if they did surgery on one of the Ohio State athletes in the upper extremity, we would get the referral, take them through a majority of their rehab, and transition them over to the athletic training. So what's it like having your wife and son now just a little ways from you? They're down in Florida. I'm assuming they're down in Florida at the moment. You're up in, in Buffalo. You get a little lonely from time to time? Yeah, I don't like it. That's uh, to say <laughs> the least. Right, right, be- right before I hopped on here, um, I got a video of my son running around throwing baseballs and stuff. And I was in the hallway with one of the other coaches where his family's not going for about, for about two weeks. They're down in Louisiana. His family is. And we're like, that's a part of the job that sucks. I mean, to be quite honest. Yeah. So they'll, they'll be up here in early May, which I don't blame them. It's cold up here. Like, what would you rather be in your house in Florida where it's warm and nice? You can just pop outside, do whatever. <laughs> and we got, a, we have a bunch of road trips early on, but, uh, but no, yeah, that's the part I don't really like too much is the time away. That kind of stinks, but fortunate that they'll be up here for of the six months. They'll be up here for five of it. Yeah. So that'll be good. Well, the other great thing, um, well, it's not quite the same as real face-to-face between Zoom and FaceTime, all that kind of thing, being connected long distance is a little bit more pleasant than it was 10 years ago before we had those tools, right? Yeah, that is true. I can't imagine without FaceTime, if we were writing letters, getting them three, four, five days later, I'd be, I don't know. I'm not a big letter writer. <laughs> I, write, I write personal notes quite a bit, but I'm, I'm not much of a letter guy. So, so based on um, your background, your experience in sports, your experience in the medical field of the education, and I mean, the great education that you had at University of Mary and UND, and then also coaching, by the way, when you were... Uh, at the University of Mary for BSC, right? You were, you were helping coach at Bismarck State College. Am I am I right when I say that? Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you 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 have lived, breathed, eat, dreamed your physical therapy career and baseball now for some time. What what words of advice could you share with young athletes? They're probably in. You know, middle school, high school, they're not quite in college, that have a real interest in pursuing first the sport of baseball. Based on all the experiences that you have and the knowledge, what are some words of wisdom you'd be willing to share with that athlete right now that could be really helpful for them in their pursuit? 
I mean, it sounds cheesy, but like have fun while you're playing because that's when you're going to be playing your best. I look around at these guys who are really, really good and they have a pretty darn good time with it. And also like if baseball is really something that you want to do at the collegiate level, professionally, you got to work hard. It's not something a few guys can roll out of bed and just do it. Um, but yeah, you got to put the time in. I think that's where it kind of comes down to. I mean, yes, have fun, go out there, but also realize that if you are someone that's, I want to play at, if you're from North Dakota, I'll play at NDSU, or I want to go play at one of these, like a Division One. It, it takes a lot of effort. And you got to be really good. You can't just be as good as the guy in your town. You got to be, be as good as the people in the towns next to you, and probably the towns next to that, and probably the rest of the state. And so that's something that you even see in professional baseball. Everyone's used to being pretty good. But as you kind of get older, pretty good doesn't really stack up to too much. And so you got to be willing to put in the time. And you got to be willing to put me to put in the effort and get uncomfortable and work through things and be sort of self-critical. What am I not good at? How can I get good at that thing? Um, I think that's the advice I'd give to anybody who wants to play at the college level and beyond is um, you need to be willing to kind of push yourself. You go to some uncomfortable places athletically so that by the time you get on the field, you're ready to rock. Okay, so a similar question with just a little bit different um, a, approach to how I'm going to ask you. Now it's the same group of athletes. And now, now it's just any athlete. It can be yeah. male, female, doesn't it? it baseball, volleyball, it could be whatever. But with regards now to your profession and what you've learned and what you do for a living and what you'll continue to do in the world of sports with physical therapy, the importance of listening to your, your body, which some of us don't do very well, what would be your words of advice for, for that athlete in terms of listening to their body? I think, yeah, that comes down taking care of yourself so you can start to kind of learn yourself and learn when you do have those kind of sort of those flags pop up in your head, like, all right, is this sore or is this something else? Cause usually the people who are most in tune with their body are the ones that actually take care of. It. Like if you're just not eating too healthy, not sleeping a lot, you're going to wake up, you're going to feel like crap all the time. You're just never really going to feel good. So you're not going to know what good really feels like. Um, taking care of yourself, whether that's, working out one, two, three, four times, five times a week, something staying on top of all that stuff. It, it really does matter. Staying hydrated, looking at what you eat. Um, Cause that's what you're going to get out. If you're putting a bunch of junk in, you're probably going to get a junky performance coming out. Um, and then just consistency. And it's just, if there's seven days in a week, we should probably try to be pretty doing similar stuff. Seven days a week. We want to be taking care of ourselves. We, we don't just get to take care of ourselves Monday to Friday. All right, I'm just going to blow it out on the weekends. That's not a very good recipe for longevity or success. No. Um, but that's no, the only, that's, yeah. The only athlete I can think of that's made that work fairly well is John Daly. And John Daly is one of those guys that <laughs> he probably doesn't have the best eating habits. You can tell by the videos that pushes out on social media. He's got some bad habits that he enjoys <laughs> and he's never been necessarily really physically fit, but not everybody can do that, you know, cause he, 
he can make up for it because he has incredible skills when it comes to playing golf. But you're right. You've got to listen to your body. And if you're not, you're, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. So what, what's the long-term pathway, do you think, um, for you with regards to physical therapy and your interest in sports? Where would you really like to end up eventually? So I'd love to end up at some capacity working in major leagues. I think that's everyone's goal. That's something when I took this job, or I get to be in AAA, I'd love to be in the big league someday. And maybe even if fortunate enough, to be in a position where I could be similar to my boss, who's a medical director, get there someday. But also on the same side of that, having a family, hoping to expand our family, I realize that there's a certain time commitment that it takes for that. Yeah. So yeah. I think as, as our family grows and time goes on, yeah, I'll be interested to see what that kind of looks like. Because the higher up you go, I mean, it's kind of is what it is. It's going to take more time. You have more yeah. responsibilities. So if you're going to do a job, you should do it well. And if you can't do it, maybe it's not the job for you. So right now it's 100%. Yeah, try to make the major leagues, work my way up, try to be very successful in that, but also put myself in a position where I could be a bit flexible. For example, like there are rehab coordinator positions where you're a bit more stationary. You're in Florida the whole year or you're in Arizona the whole year at the spring training complex. You wake up, you go to bed in your own bed. You see your family a lot more often. And there's there are those type positions that I've thought of. All right. If we have two, three, four kids, whatever, I could be a lot more present in their life while still working in a profession that I really enjoy. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens on, on the family front and base it off that. Sure. Uh, I just want to be able to put myself where hopefully I'm doing a good enough job where I have options. I think that would be the, the worst feeling is to feel very stuck, very stuck in something that's not, uh, it doesn't work for you and your family. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with this, trying to try to put myself in a position where, yeah, someday it's like, okay, we, we can do a few things. We've yeah. got a few cards to play. So my last question with regards to what you're doing at, in baseball and kind of um, piggybacking on what you've mentioned twice that the medical director for your, your team is a physical therapist and not a medical doctor, which I find, I wouldn't have guessed that, by the way. Based on where you're at in terms of your educational background, would you need more education in physical therapy to become the medical director for, for, for a team, or do you have enough education now it would be more experienced? Education-wise, I have... I have the same amount of education with a doctorate of physical therapy, a residency, completed a fellowship. Um, there's always continuing education courses you can take in terms of manual therapy, dry needling, and just different forms of treatment. But I think for those positions, it's more life experience, boots on the ground, interacting with people, and just treatment of guys, handling different things. I think that's where, yeah, there's there's no amount of education for just being immersed in it. Yeah. Like I know he was the minor league medical director for Cleveland for like five, six years before being a major league medical director. And I was been there for two, three years. And so it's somewhere just, yeah, that time managing people learning what, okay, I handle that really well. Maybe I can do it better. <laughs> I didn't handle that so hot. Um, 
I think those are just things you kind of learn throughout the way because as much as you learn in a book and as much as you can have people teach you, um, I think once you get out on your own, that's where kind of the real learning happens and where you really start to figure out what you need to kind of improve on. Well, I have had so much fun today visiting with Dr. Joe Hellock. I mean, it's fair. Yeah, I can say that, right? I mean, you, you, that, you can, yes. Dr. I, that, Joe Hellock, who is with who would have thunk? Good Lord. <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays organization, currently in Buffalo and started down. Is it Dundon, Florida? Is that how you say it? So Dunedin. I believe me, I looked at like Dunedin, Dunedin. Yeah, it's Dunedin. Dunedin, Florida. Dunedin? Well, I'd have yeah. never guessed that in a million years. No, I had to be corrected numerous times, even when I lived there. I'm like, what the heck? Where am I right now? Yeah. By way of Fargo, North Dakota, Joe, thank you so much for taking time to join me. I, I wish you the best of success in your career. Well, I shot the world with you, and you got a beautiful family. I just think wonderful things are going to keep happening for you. You're just a great guy, and appreciate you joining <laughs> me today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So thank you again, Mike. Hey, well, you take good care. We'll talk to you soon now, but I'll do, I'll do the best I can in following what you're doing. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Take care. We'll see you. <laughs>